coming from the ground back into the trees after the after the winter in this um, amazing day of Tubishvat. The earth is bringing back the energy into the trunks and branches and then to the fruits of the trees for them to start blooming again and filling the world with a great energy and sweetness and power of their growth. And the Torah is telling us that the person is the tree of the field. So that first day of the year of the trees is the first day of the year for us as well. It's not the main Rosh Hashanah, but it is a very important day for us, for our blooming process, for our growth energy, growing energy. And the most beautiful thing in the tree is that the tree is a symbol for stability, while also its head is very high and tall and beautiful and inviting and calling everyone to hide in his shade and to take cover between his branches, to enjoy his fruits. And his power and energy is available for all. The power of the person is similar. In one aspect, the person should be very careful to watch over himself and to be very grounded and to be connected to reality, to the ground, with his roots. He must make sure that he is being fed properly, that he's drinking properly, that all his needs are taken care of. But as well, and mainly when he is reaching and achieving that stability, is finding that free time, that spiritual energy, desiring from within to take other people under his wings and to support them and to help them out and to feed them and to nurture them and to give them all their needs. The real truth is that trees are not as they seem. Because when we are talking about the fact that the man is the tree of the field, it's also going in the opposite direction. It's not only that we are compared to trees. Also, the trees are holding our human qualities and powers. There is a saying, if I'm not wrong, by Rabbi Akiva, by the holy sages, and if I'm not wrong, so by Rabbi Akiva, that said that when one palm tree is being cut in one side of the world, so his brother palm tree on the other side of the world can hear his brother's scream. The roar and the scream of pain is being heard from one side of the world to the other. And we are talking about those silent trees. On Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai, it's written that he knew to understand the conversation of the trees. On the Ariya Kadosh, there are many 
stories about him being able to hear the cry and the conversations of the trees. It's a language. Everything on earth is speaking because everything on earth was created by the maker of the universe by his power of speech. So when Hashem spoke, things has been formed into physicality. And therefore, physicality is imprinted with Hashem's speeches. So the letters of the words of Hashem while creating the trees and the earth and all the rest of physical particles of creation, all parts of creation, when Hashem imprinted the letters into them, they received and embraced, embraced the shape of the letters. From that moment and on, they are reflecting those speeches. They're always talking. They're always whispering to the ones that are tuned to the truth, to the ones who listens carefully to the complete conversation of the maker, that they can see the conversation of the maker in each and every one of the aspects of creation. And of course, that achieve and rise to those high levels by claiming and listening to the horrible negative that we're not worthy, that we are awful, that we are low, to listen to the voice of the tree. But the truth is that when you give yourself some space and you go into the forest or out to the fields and you stand close to one of those trees or inside one of those amazing forests, suddenly you feel different. Suddenly you have different thoughts in your mind and you hear different voices and you can feel different sounds different feelings, different emotions. And you can sense some of the tree's conversation. But the problem is that we do not believe in ourselves to give ourselves the credit to follow that voice and to understand its message and to follow that message. We're always erasing and denying and disrespecting any chance of growth and how many times you fell on your face and look at you, you're a walking failure and you barely wake up in the morning. You're not able to do this. You're not able to do that. Just darkening our eyes, blocking our eyes, sealing our windows of hope instead of us just connecting ourselves to our souls. We always listen to all the junk to all that filth language that is surrounding us with negative talks, with criticism, with self-slaughtering, self-murdering of ourselves for no justified reason at all, at all, at all. There is no one reason in the world that you will kill yourself and destroy yourself. There is no reason in the world that you will bring yourself to such low place that you will be your main executor. There is no creation on earth that will cooperate with its own 
main murderer and destroyer to kill your own self-esteem and to lower yourself each time to a lower and lower and lower levels with that self-criticism, with that self-blame. You are blaming yourself for things that you haven't done because the creation is not in your hands to control. You're not controlling your life. If you have a phone call on your mobile and someone is calling you, you are not the one who decided that that person will call you and not another. If someone is knocking at your door, you did not invite that person into your house. And even if you invited that person into your house and you called him and you told him, hey, please, can you come? And in the end, you woke up to realize he was the wrong person to call into your house. You did not call the wrong person into your house. You called hope and an enemy. You wanted to be supported. You wanted to feel warmth. You wanted to be in friendship with some person. And you found yourself being hurt by reality. Now you're going to blame yourself that that idiot hurt you. But that idiot had his own free choice. And even if we're not going to give him the credit of having his own free choice, and we're going to put it all on Hashem, on the maker of the universe. So again, we came to the same point, that you are not the one to blame, because you're not able to see into hearts of people. You're not a mind reader. You, you cannot see with prophecies. You don't have the ability to, to, to look into the souls of people and know exactly what will happen and what will take place and where things will lead you and what they will bring with them. You don't have that ability. So why are you blaming yourself for not having that ability? It's like you're going to blame yourself for not being seven feet tall. Oh, no, I'm not seven feet tall. Of course you're not. Why would you? How can you? Your mother, she was a dwarf, and you're going to blame yourself for not being seven feet tall? You don't have that ability. There is no way in the world that you will be able, even in your wildest dream, to reach that height. I was not wise enough. All your childhood was messed up. You were watching cartoons. That was your spiritual development. That was your emotional support. You had a puppy. You were not taught. You didn't have great mentors. You never had inspirational teachers. You didn't really have good friends and amazing people to lead you, to give you a hand. You were not a student of the sages. You were not a student of like powerful people. You never had no Superman or Wonder Woman in your life to give you a hand and to save your life. No, no one just messed up people all around that always sabotaged your life and stabbed you in front and back, and hurt you tremendously over and over and over again and again and again. And with all those scars and bleeding wounds, you're still surviving and blaming yourself for being around evil people, naughty people, villains, wicked people, weak people, disturbed people. It's not your fault that the world is in chaos for you to blame yourself for their mistakes. It's not your fault to suffer for things that you haven't done. And there are solutions because there is a way out. And the way out is inside, inside, not into depression, 
not into loneliness, not into the inner darkness of the evil inclination that is filling the person with negative thoughts from within as well. No, the lifeline is to connect ourselves to our souls and our souls are talking to us and our souls are spiritual energy that is connected to all spiritual energy, to all life forms that are around us. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the lions listened to him. Why? Because he had a soul connection with the lions. Any person on earth has a soul connection to lions. Not only the Daniel, the prophet that saw the visions, was the only one who was saved by lions. In many other places in the world, people were saved by lions. Daniel is a great example for that. But we have pictures of kings in Ethiopia that are riding lions, for an example. So now you're going to say, oh, no, that's a different story. Of course, you're going to find a justification for your weak mind um, to find excuses for not believing in yourself, no matter how many examples I'm going to bring now. If I'm going to tell you about the Orachayim Kadosh, that he also had the story with lions, that the lion came into the city and no one knew what to do with that lion because he started praying in the city and the Orachayim Kadosh came and stood in front of him till he held him in his head and walked with him back to the cage of, of the king. Now you're going to say, oh, no, of course, the, you're giving example from the Orachayim Kadosh. I'll give you more examples. There was a person, an Israeli soldier, that when he finished his, um, his service in the army, he went to Africa. He took a camera with him and he went to Africa. He wanted to be a photographer. He wanted, like his hobby, new hobby after the army, went for his after the army trip in, in Africa. And while he was in the jungle, in the savannah, whatever, he was with um, uh, like a guide, a, a native um, African guide that walked with him, that took him, and they saw a lion. And a lion started to approach them and to walk towards them, towards them. And like, the situation became very, very dangerous. But that person, that Israeli person testified that the lion came to him and smelled him from his feet to his body just sniffed him and smelled him. And when he came to the center of the body, he saw that the lion stopped. And the only thought that that person had was, I'm Jewish and I have a covenant. The circumcised, he was circumcised, Brit Mila. And he said, he prayed to Hashem in his thoughts. He was secular. He was not religious. He was prayed, please Hashem. By the merit of, my, of the covenant, by the merit that I was circumcised. He was a baby when he was circumcised. It wasn't his mitzvah. Oh, yeah, I want to be circumcised. No, he was not such a, such a tzaddik to circumcise himself like Abraham Avinu. No, he was circumcised as a Jewish baby like any other Jewish baby in the eighth day to his birth. And he said to Hashem in his thoughts, didn't even pray, only in his mind, please Hashem, by the merit of the Brit Milah, save my life, spare my life. That experience was one clear answer. You need to keep your covenant. You need to follow the laws of the Torah.
saved your life. So you have one story, person was saved by a lion, you have another story, you have another story and another story. And like I said before, people in Africa, in, in, in Ethiopia, were riding on lions back for generations. Those things happen now. It is in your power, but you do not believe in your power. You don't think that you have that ability to rule over the animals and to understand the language of the trees and to listen to the sounds of the wind and to understand the language of the stars and to find your way in the middle of, of the ocean just by listening to the waves and understanding what to do. Listening to your senses. Do you think that the natives that were born on the islands, they were such geniuses. They knew the maps of the stars. No, listen, they received from their ancestors the power to listen to the voice of the sea, to the voice of the winds. The language and the conversation. There is a story on the Ariya Kadosh. The Ariya Kadosh sat with his students and suddenly a raven came, a raven fly, a raven came, stopped, made his sound, and the Ariya Kadosh said, Baruch Dayana Emet. He blessed Hashem, the maker of the universe, for bad news that he heard. They asked him what happened, but he was already on his way home. When he came back home, his son was playing in the backyard, and after a few hours, his son passed away. And they asked him, how did you know? He said, the raven told me. He knew, and the, in, 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 in Shara Kavanot, in, in the explanation, like a lot of stories and tales about Darya Kadosh, there is a long story, very detailed story, why all that situation, horrible situation took place. Because the Darya Kadosh revealed a certain secret that he was not allowed to tell. So he was punished in the death of his child. Wild stories, crazy situations. Now again, self-blame. Okay, that was Darya Kadosh. Yes, that was Darya Kadosh. And that person, and that person, and that person, and that person, and on, and on, and on, and on, and on. You have stories on horses, you have stories on dogs, you have stories on fish, you have stories on whales, you have stories on, on, on birds, you have stories on snakes, you have stories on any, uh, any animal in the world you have stories with. So you have million stories on trees, million stories on grass, million stories on reeds of the sea, million stories on the sea itself, million stories on clouds, millions. So maybe we're going to understand that we can also write a story, that a story can be told on us as well. It depends on you. It depends on you. I can tell you that many times in my life, many times, and I'm not recommending going my way, many, many, many times in my life when I was driving for Avodat Hashem after praying and doing it for hours into the night, dead from tiredness with no power at all, I was driving asleep. My car was driven you say someone else drove my car i was asleep you're gonna say no you're gonna say whatever you want i was not the driver of my car 
I was asleep for an hour, for half an hour. I was asleep. And I came to my home, home and I found myself parking in my own parking lot. Came back to Yerushalayim. Came back to my home. You're going to say whatever you want. The reason why you might not believe me is because you do not believe in yourselves. Now, it doesn't mean you, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. Now I'll drive in. No. You don't go into the lion's den. You don't go into the savannah. Hey, lions, what's going on? Hey, guys. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a person who is closing himself, focusing in 100% into the purpose of his life and now realizing based on that, that the world under the control of the maker of the universe will help me to complete my mission on earth to do what I was sent to do. Today I met a very interesting person, a very inspiring person. He told me about his mother. His mother was a Holocaust survivor and his father as well. His father was a soldier in the Polish army. And when he was a soldier in the Polish army, while they were in one of their missions, they were taken from Poland to the border of Egypt and then into the land of Israel. When they were here in Israel, two Jewish guys from the Polish army ran away from their units and hide. And that's it. They were hiding. And in one of the, the settlements, one of the like communities, people took them and hid them and helped them to hide. The Polish army didn't have time to waste for those two Jewish guys and drove back, flight back to Poland so those two Jewish guys been saved from the Holocaust in that way. That's the father of the person I met today. But his mother, unbelievable story. She was from Romania. She was 12 years old. All their family was taken out of their village and walked into the pits, into holes that were digged by them in the ground and were all about to be executed, to be killed into those um, gigantic brother's graves and she was separated from her father and her sister walked with her mother and uh, another sister if I'm not wrong and they were taken to one place and her father and another sister the youngest sister went to like were gone with, with, with the wagons they disappeared they were taken to the pits while they were standing, they told that girl, she's 12 years old, with her mother, with anyone else, with all the rest of the women that were there, take off your clothes. She refused. She said, no. The officer is holding a weapon and telling her, what do you mean, no? She said, I'm not taking my clothes off. He told her, you're taking your clothes off now and screaming at her. She's saying no, a 12-years-old kid arguing, fighting with a soldier with a, with a rifle, with a gun. She's saying, no, I'm not taking my clothes off. He told her, what well, started and argue with her like he wants to take her clothes off before, he, before you throw them into the, into the pits. You must take those precious clothings off them. But 
his commander is looking at him and telling him like, what's the fuss? What's the, what's going on? He said, that kid is like arguing. She does not, she's like rebellion. She's fighting. She's arguing. He thought, so the office. To me, he took that. He's standing in front of the, the commander, the con. She said, your soldier told me to take off my clothes and I don't want to. The commander is looking at her and telling her, I have a 12 years old girl just like you. She's also not listening to me no matter what I tell her to do. She's always arguing. No matter what I tell her, she's refusing. Standing like that, stubborn. He told her, okay, I will allow you to walk away. You can go. She said, no. He's telling her, why not? She's saying, I know you. When I'm going to turn my back towards you, you're going to shoot me in the back. I'm not going anywhere. 12 years old Romanian Jewish girl standing in front of an army. So he, that commander, she, she got into his heart. He told her, okay, you're going to stand by me. After a while, when there was no people around, he gave her a little bit of cash, what he had in his pocket, gave her and told her, now you can go. Immediately, she took the money and ran away. What did she do? She was hiding behind the trees till the night will come down. She went back to the pits to look for her mother. When she realized that her mother died, she went out and started to search for her father and her younger sister. And she found them. She found the other camp. And she joined her father and her younger sister, five years old. And while they're traveling, she, their father was dragged away from them. And she... And for three years, she was hiding from carry her young, five years old, that all, all the time of the war, responsible for the only survivors for her family. Her father was killed, and that mother of that person. So now, is there nature? Can you explain such wonders that, like, you look at what's old in our generation, they, like, they don't know how to choose their socks. They don't know how to choose their shoes. They don't have no, no, they don't know anything about their own lives. They don't understand what's going on in their own reality. They don't know how to choose a television show watching in front of the TV. They don't know what to do. Here you have a kid that is able to destroy the world, to fight, to argue with a person with a gun. She's not afraid. And she's telling him, no, I'm not going to do what you know. Where did you get that power from? Because she was not destroyed in her own emotional structure. She was a tough person. She was a strong person. She had her opinion. And she stood and supported her own opinion. And if something was wrong, so she was fighting that evil. And if she believed in something, so she went all the way to achieve that thing that she believed. And those are the people who are role model and source of light and inspiration for us all.
And we should become people like that for our surroundings, for our children, for our future, for our generation. You don't need to be a mother to be successful. You don't need to be wealthy to be successful. You don't need to have shlombait to be successful. You don't need to have anything to be successful. You need to be focused on being the best that you can. And with that, you're going to cross the 120 years that you were given, and you're going to make wonders in the world, always to try to be the best you can, always to try to bring goodness into the world, as much goodness as you are able to, with your tools, with your powers. They're going to be a person who will have um, um, a, 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 a whole army behind his back to conquer the ways, and another person will dig a tunnel with a spoon. Do you think that one is bigger than the other? You think that a billionaire that signed deals on millions and millions of dollars is more successful than a person who had a small, tiny store, a tiny business that he was like doing his business with, with dignity and honesty? The greatness of a person is not set by the amount or by the power or by the, the advertisement of his actions, just only based on the purity of his heart. We are being judged and measured in the eyes of Hashem, in the eyes of the maker of the universe, that he chose Moshe after he saw Moshe acting in kindness and mercy while he was a shepherd, to the animals, goats, and sheep of Jethro. And he saw King David and chose him to be the king of the nation of Israel because that King David was acting in mercy and in kindness to the herd, to the, to, as a shepherd, to the flock of his father, Yeshai. In those hours, they were measured and they were chosen to play in higher, higher is to become leader to people when they were leaders to animals when they were merciful and kind and nice any person in his life should understand you as you were born you were born as the center of the world that's the way the maker sent you to the world to feel that you are the center of the world it's not your ego it's your reality. You were born and your senses are tuned to all the circle that is surrounding you. That's how you smell. That's the central point of the universe. You have the obligation to affect goodness to everything that is around you. And as that your soul is inner and your life are coming from within, you should spread that light out to other people and you should give them life. You're receiving light from within. You're alive from your soul and you should let it out. When you speak, your soul is being expressed. When you look at someone with compassion eyes, your eyesight is reflecting your goodness. When you listen to someone who needs your help or you hear a person's cry, your ears are reflecting the ears of Hashem that is listening to the prayers of any mouth. 
in any situation, you are reflecting the godliness that is treasured within you. So you should believe that godliness is treasured within you and spread it around. And now don't downgrade godliness because of your own personal self, low self-esteem. It's godliness within you. It's not you at all. It's the light of the maker that lives within you. Don't stop it. Don't block it. Let it shine. Let it spread. Let it create waves. Let it make huge sounds in the world. And they can be of whisper. Sometimes a whisper will be heard to further distance than the greatest scream of them all. If you're whispering, it does not mean that you're not being heard. If you're praying from the bottom of your heart in the most quiet way, King David was praying for hours and hours under the blanket in his own bed. The verse in Tehillim is saying that. That David was crying on his own bed every night, was tearing, was wetting his bed with tears. Those were King David's strongest hidbodediot. Individual prayers alone with the maker of the universe. One times he cries, one times he prays, one times he's expressing his fear and his anxiety, his loneliness and his depression. One times he's telling Hashem, I'm about to worship idols. I'm losing it. I'm running away from you. I, where am I going to hide from you? He's screaming to Hashem. King David did not read Psalms of Tehillim. No, he was crying. He was crying his eyes. His blanket. While he was God in front of the book. The midnight forgotten in the mid the valley of shadows of death in any place that he was walking, he was a walking prayer. And a prayer is the expression of the faith of the person. If you believe, you talk. If you talk, it's an evident that you believe. If you believe that someone listens to you, you're gonna talk to him in time of of sorrow, in time of need, you're going to call him. If you believe you have a good friend, you're going to call him. If you trust your good friend, you're going to call him. If you don't trust him, you're not going to call him. You call Hashem because you trust him. If you don't call Hashem, you need to work on your trust. If you don't talk to Hashem, you need to work on your faith. How do we work on our faith? Please, Hashem. Please, Hashem, give me Please, Hashem, help me. Please, Hashem, help me to succeed. Nothing but that. Nothing. Million times, please, Hashem, help me. Please, Hashem, make me happy. Please, Hashem, save me from my loneliness. Please, Hashem, give me strength. Please, Hashem, stabilize my emotions. Please, Hashem, 
make me a happy person. Please, Hashem, I want to think positive thoughts. Please, Hashem, that I won't be scared at night. Please, Hashem, help me to be proud of myself. Please, Hashem, that I will remember my qualities. Please, Hashem, assist me to succeed in the goals and missions that I set for myself, the things that I believe that you wanted me to do. Please, Hashem, guide me in your path of truth. Please, Hashem, support my destiny. Please, Hashem, bring me safely to my home. Please, Hashem, help me to find my soulmate. And he won't be a jerk. Please, Hashem, help me. Please, Hashem, make me satisfied. Please, Hashem, my morning. Please, Hashem, focus. Please, Hashem, me. Please, Hashem. Please, I won't kill myself. Please, Hashem, that I won't kill my friends. Please, Hashem, help me in this. Please, Hashem, help me in that. Please, Hashem, Hashem, that the truth, words of truth, are the closest ones to Hashem. When you speak words of truth, your prayers are being answered, accepted, and welcomed by Hashem. And if you want to rise to the highest levels of them all, please, Hashem, help me to rise to the highest levels of them all. And if you want to achieve it faster, you're going to repeat that request over and over and over and over and over and over again. Just don't be surprised that Hashem will want you to rise to the fastest, to, into the highest level in the fastest route. And the fastest route might be to send you to buy some cereals in the grocery store. And it can be to go instead and stand in front of the judge and to explain yourself and to apologize for your mistakes. And it can be to be stopped by a police officer for driving on red. And it can be for you to be thrown out of your apartment and looking for a new place to live in. And it can be in many, many ways. The holy chariot that is carrying Elijah the prophet from one place to the other can be a very flaming chariot that will take you from one place to the next. But you might not have the merit yet to see the flaming horses making that yellow cab burn while it drags you from one apartment to the next. But the fact that you cannot see the horses does not mean that they're not there. So if you found yourself driving around the city from one place to the next, you should believe that the maker of the universe commands his angels to ask for to you, because he's commanding his angels to ask for to you and to guard you in all your ways. And Hashem is protecting your way and guiding your way, your, all your entrances, when you're coming into all the places, when you go out from all the places from now and always and ever, and it will always be so. And if you want to strengthen yourself to believe in that in a stronger way, so you can say, B'Shem Adonai Elohei Israel. Mimini Michael, Mismoli Gavriel, Milfanai El, Nachorai Rafael, Veal Roshi, Shechinat El, in the name of Hashem, He is the God of the
to the right of me, the angel Michael. The left side of me, the angel Gabriel. In front of me, the angel Raphael. And on top of me, the Shekhinah of Hashem, Shekhinat El. And that's the way you tie yourself to the chariot of Hashem. And after you tied yourself to the angels that are escorting you to the right, to the left, up and down, back and forth, you can get into a yellow cab and to believe that it's a, a flaming, tied to horses, chariot of Hashem that is taking you from this alley to another. The fact that you are in New York or in Los Angeles or in Elizabethtown does not mean that Elijah the prophet cannot knock on your door, that you don't have the merit that angels will escort you to the grocery store. Even if its name is Walmart or Target, there is food over there. Hashem is blessing your food. There are drinks over there. Hashem is blessing your drinks. There are people over there. Hashem is making all those meetings precious and important. And you should follow Hashem in your heart. And this is how you disconnect yourself from all the toxic, dark reality that surrounds us. And you follow your inner faith. Even if you walk in the valley of shadows of death, you will not see anything bad because Hashem is with you. So you should be with Hashem, and Hashem with, will be there with you. Thank you. Good. Questions? Elihu, are you happy that you have evidence that I'm reading from the wonderful set of books that you sent me? Very good. I wrote some nice chidushim over there that uh, I'm not sure that I'm allowed to teach, but I, 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 already, I already promised in public, a promise that I cannot go back from, that if one day I will be a hidden righteous man, there are going to be one difference between me to all the hidden righteous ones. I won't hide anything. <laughs> I promise that. So one day all those... All those Hidushim will find their way out, I promise. I think the Ari is happy that you're doing that you're doing it, that you're sharing yeah, it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Thank you so much, Definitely. Their lips are moving in grave. Okay, do we have questions tonight? Hilary, you wanted to ask something? I think Donna, Donna, did you unmute yourself? Do you want to ask something? Yes, uh, yes, uh, exactly. Um, is the Tehillim mostly about King David's emotional life or and the rest of the Torah is it the events of his life? So the, there are tons of in, there is tons of information inside of the book of Tehillim. In one chapter he can reveal, um, knowledge and information about biblical stories, like from earlier generations to his, on the people of Israel. He can reveal to us 
a lot of information that is like Kabbalah, wisdom that was given to him by his ancestors, like traditional knowledge that was given. And by that, widening our knowledge on the biblical stories and earlier generation, he can reveal secrets of Kabbalah. He can tell us a lot about Adam, the first man, Adam Arishon, and his wife, Chava, about the days of creation. So they are very informative informative they're full of knowledge while he is shedding tears um, while writing them so it's like he was such a genius and his mind held so much knowledge that while he was expressing his feelings and his emotion and he was talking about his place in life he was full of Torah he was full of wisdom full of knowledge so he was like those were his feelings. That is the way for him to explain his emotions in the reflections of generation and in the like outcomes and 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 like and like uh, things that happened with time and on and on and on. So those are prayers that were written by that more than an angel of human being that are holding tons of information. But more than that. Even it's written that even King David could not realize how much wisdom was sent through his speeches in the Psalms of Tehillim. He himself didn't know how deep his writings and more into his wisdom than he was understanding that he was realizing, things that we can enjoy, that he himself didn't aim even to those things while saying them. And we can gain them today and, and enjoy them today. Thank you for your wonderful question, Donna. Thank you. Good to have you back in good shape. Good to be back, thank you. I made it. Um, um... Uh, Dave has a question in the chat. He uh, he wrote like, uh, why do Hasidim? Why do Hasidim? That's a good question. Why do Hasidim? I have no signal. Uh -oh. He says, why do Hasidim? Why is it that maybe they're more connected or into Tehillim than, than other people? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Yeah. So I, I think that the answer is they do definitely have their tradition they had good examples of their rabbis of their teachers that were holding the tehillim and like appreciating the tehillim and praising the tehillim and reading from the tehillim so the chassiduyot the chassidim are they learned the aspect of prayer but you can see many simple people from all variety of communities of people of israel that are attached to the tehillim and will say the tehillim with with tear on their in their eyes and broken hearts and like mothers and fathers and working people and like Litvish people and Svadim and Ashkenazim and like the book of tehillim is the soul of the people of, of Israel in so many ways that uh, that you cannot relate that to be more connected to one group than to another Svadim Ekubalim. In, in, in North Africa, we're holding the book of Tehillim. You have um, amazing 
handwrites of, of the family of Abu Chatzera, Rabbi Yaakov Abu Chatzera, that is writing amazing Kabbalistic interpretations and explanations on the book of Tehillim. It's not an inherit of one section or the other. It belongs to everyone. Five books of prayer compared to like standing in front of the five books of Torah, five books of prayer that was given to us by King David, standing in front of the five books of Torah that were given to us by Moshe, completing each other like body and soul. Amazing, amazing harmony, amazing harmony. Thank you for the question. Yes, Hilary, did you want to ask something? Uh, sure, sure, I have a question I'm happy to ask. Um, you know, you speak about like, is there so much about us being in like most connection with our soul and who we really are? And I guess the question that's coming up for me is, you know, let's say like, for example, like where exactly you should be, what exactly or who exactly with. And is the idea that like each one of us has a specific expression and contribution. And then it's really like up to us to sort of navigate which way is the best way I can express it. Or is it like there is a specific way that and a place where I can be my best and that I'm supposed to be trying to find my way there? Does this make sense? It does. So the goal, the final goal, like in physicality, that the temple, the house of Hashem is in Yerushalayim and will be built in Yerushalayim. And everyone should come to Yerushalayim and to visit the house of Hashem. So the goal is Yerushalayim, yes, for everyone. But the one that needs to make the road from the east will have to go to the west. And the one that needs to go from the west will need to go to the east. So they're going in opposite directions to the same goal. One person should find his power in water, and while one will need to find his power in fire. One will need to find his way out of his parents' house, and one will need to go back to his parents' house or he can go out to independence. So it's really a person cannot get into that path even before he's starting to do tshuva, before he is open-minded to listen to the rebukes of his life, rebuking himself on his own mistakes, before he is open to listen and to learn from other people, before he is open to understand that he has a soul, before the person comes into the world of tshuva, of atonement, of connection to the fact he has a soul and to the maker of the universe, he cannot hear a thing, he cannot understand a thing, and he's walking like a blind person in the dark. But from the moment that the person starts to listen and to care and to feel and to sense and to want good things, he is already making a progress towards that final goal to get to that place of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is Yer'ashalem, complete fear from heaven, complete faith in Hashem. So the journey is the journey. And you should be honest with yourself. Any person should be simply honest with himself 
this is my reality now. Now, what is the next true step to make? What is the truth for me? What will help me to make another step and what will not take me back? What will support me? What will build my positive thoughts, my good eating habits, my sleeping habits, my social ability, my financial stability, all the things that are required for the honest person, for his stability to give him power, for him to be able to progress and to make another step in his journey towards Hashem, to believe in Hashem more, to be able one day to make Aliyah and to move into the Holy Land of Israel, to join holy groups and holy communities that are serving Hashem in unity, to find them sometimes to make mistakes while trying joining the wrong ones and then realizing and go back and like, and on and on and on. But the way is the way. The way to attach yourself to the way is by being honest with yourself. When you're honest, when you're truthful, when you're tuned to your inner voices, you're already marching, you're already progressing, you're already making that progress in the path of development and growth. The only thing that a person can do to bring himself onto that path and to be led by Hashem to the goal, to his complete success, is to be loyal to his inner positive voice, to try to be truthful, to try to come back to Hashem, to admit his mistakes, to take responsibility on his actions, to be a better person, to learn from the mistakes, and on and on and on, to work on our midot, to try to be better people, to try to connect ourselves to the Torah and to be in touch with righteous people, with good people that will support your destiny, to reach the goals of happiness and success. Good. Thank you. Someone else wants to ask you a question? Wonderful. Tomorrow we're going to have another great class. Bezat Hashem. We're going to read some holy scripts, amazing books. Bezat Hashem. Not yet, but hopefully soon we'll get there as well. And, um, and more great things to come. On Tuesday, we're going to have a great conversation, a podcast with Ira Michelson and Rod Reuven Bryant um, from the Native Center. Um, amazing people, amazing talks, great content, great controversial topics that we're talking and exposing. Um, thank you. The Amuna Circle, thank you for your support. Thank you for your friendship, for the great brotherhood and the sisterhood, for the great, amazing, amazing, loving um, friendship for many, many years. I'm very thankful for all of you guys. Um, you are a tremendous support and a, and a great emotional um, source of stability for me. Like I told you that many times when I go through my own wilderness, I have this um, weekly session with you and closest friends of mine, first ring of, of, uh, of my students and friends, that for me it's a, it's a spring and a well of, of live water. And I'm thanking you for being here and supporting and helping and it's, uh, it's the whole world. It's really the whole world. 
I told you that once I had horrible nights, horrible weeks, horrible weekends that I didn't have like no, no source of light. And that class on Sunday night came and brought me back to, to the path and brought me back to myself and like restored my faith and stabilized me back on the, on the route, back on the path. And um, I will never forget that. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. And may Hashem help us and support us and extend and expand our circles of faith to larger, greater realms and dimensions to save all the lost souls, all the people in the world who are in any kind of need for help and assistance for us to be able to offer and provide wisdom, knowledge, faith, and goodness to all the children of our maker. Amen. Can you hear us? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank everybody. you. Happy to Bishvat. To you too. Emuna Project is a non-profit organization. To support this work, please make a purchase from our online store or donate through emuna.com. Thank you. My new book, Return to Your Root, is now on Amazon and emuna.com.